Hey, my name is Jaila Mador. And I'm Tanuja Ramchow. This is Seek Human Spaces podcast, where we explore how to embrace our humanness while smashing oppressive norms. Today, Jael and I will be talking about imposter feelings and how to deal with them. And I also want to start off by saying Jael is a psychologist. She's a therapist. And Jael, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, of course. I'm one of the supervising psychologists at the Brewer College Counseling Center. Um, and I've been here for um, about five years. And I love working with students on dealing with issues, including the imposter phenomenon and imposter feelings. Um and I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Thank you so much. And I've done several workshops with Jell as well on this specific topic. And I'm curious, Jell, why do you call it imposter phenomenon? Yeah, so I, I love that you asked that question because I think many people refer to it as the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about the imposter phenomenon, it's not a syndrome because it's not like a disease or it's not anything that we can like look up on in the DSM, which is our, our manual for diagnosis. So there's no diagnosis of imposter syndrome. So what we want to move away from is like thinking like there's something like a disease that we have or there's something is essentially wrong with us. This is called the imposter phenomenon specifically because it's so common. Mm -hmm. Um many, many, many people experience the imposter phenomenon. And it's so common that we can't really call it a diagnosis or right. a syndrome. So whenever we refer to the imposter syndrome, um, we're actually referring to something called the imposter phenomenon, just because of its commonality. And what is the imposter phenomenon? Yeah, so the imposter phenomenon is um, a construct that was developed by these two researchers um, at Georgia State University back way back in the 80s in 1985. And it's currently kind of had its resurrection and people are talking about it all the time. So essentially, it's like this feeling of intellectual phoniness, wherein it's really difficult for people to look at their outcomes or look at the things that they accomplish and um, take it in internally. Um, so what we look at our accomplishments and we think, oh, well, that has something to do with something outside of me. So maybe today I got lucky, or maybe this person was just being really nice to me, or um, maybe I, I was really good at tricking them today. So they gave me this new job, right? So it's really hard to internalize our accomplishments. Mm -hmm. But when we fail, it's really easy to internalize that, right? So if we fail at something, we think, oh, well, I must not have been smart enough. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is proving that I don't belong in this job. So essentially, the imposter phenomenon, it's like this belief that the good things that I do or the successes that I have, they have nothing to do with me. But my failures, they're all about me and kind of prove who I am. So the successes are fluke. Yes. But then something is wrong with me if I fail right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the things that you said was that, was that this is uh, has been resurrected in the last few years. And I, I think a big part of that was what happened in 2020. Mm. And when we started having these conversations on systemic racism and systemic sexism. So do you see that link between oppressive systems and imposter feelings. A thousand percent. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think that like a lot of the conversation of, about the imposter phenomenon has been about like, you know, this is something that's going on in your head. Fix yourself, right? Like you're just feeling really, you're being silly by thinking that you don't belong. When a lot of times when you're, you know, uh, someone who's who is a part of an oppressed group, right? So you're like a black and brown folk or a person of color, um, someone who's not cis, someone who's not straight, someone who's, you know, comes from like, who's an immigrant or, you know, any sort of kind of oppressed group. The systems that we live in, they're not made for us, right? They're not made for folks 
who um, come from backgrounds um, that are, are different from like the traditional, like, you know, white male, cis, hetero kind of norm. You know, I'm using air quotes when it comes to norm, right? And so if systems are built around kind of that identity, coming from an outside identity, it's not going to take into account your needs. It's not going to take into account like how you see the world, your your worldview. And so therefore, it, it might not kind of be built around you, right? And so of course you're going to feel like an imposter because if the system is not built for you, then it feels like I don't you don't belong there, right? <laughs> and so I think the conversation has always been like, well, then you need to fix yourself and you need to kind of change the way that you look at things and change your perspective. Where I know that you see it this you see it the opposite way. And as as I do, which is like maybe we need to like start to adjust these systems. And maybe it's not about us being imposters it's about like these systems not being created or having space for us and we we can start learning how to create spaces within those systems as well it's really hard to stop talking about this tradition because I, I know you and I you and I really like enjoy this conversation we talked a lot about, yeah. about this and I remember reading a, an article from Harvard Business Review and and uh, the authors were saying that stop telling women that they have imposter syndrome exactly yeah. for what you were saying it's the systems right and I feel with like the white uh, patriarchy uh, it teaches us so uh, you know to have this individualistic approach that when something happens where we feel like an imposter we don't even think to look at the system we think it's us that I have to fix myself and that's also by design right right and and how many people you know get caught in that cycle of oh it's me I am not good enough there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with me especially for people who are coming from marginalized backgrounds but who does this affect gel I mean is it just people from marginalized backgrounds so that's really interesting so because the imposter phenomenon as like a research construct has had such like a really long history so we're talking about what almost 40 years that like this construct kind of came out it's been studied in lots of different populations right so um, marginalized populations populations having to do with college students having to do with um, you know certain careers like nurses or psychologists or teachers and so um, imposter phenomenon has been found in so many different populations right which is why it's a phenomenon and not a syndrome Um, but one of the kind of like the the threads that that connects all of this is that it's found mostly in high achievers, right? Mm-hmm. And so high achiever, um, being a high achiever can mean many different things. But one thing is that like you, you um, essentially go from like one stage of your life to another, right? So you get a new job, you graduate, um, you get an award, something like that. So something kind of changes. And that tends to be an achievement that contributes to um, having imposter feelings. Um, So essentially like it can happen in anyone, but especially in folks who are achieve something, who are high achievers. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I talked about this on on previous podcasts where sometimes I would meet somebody who is a high achiever Mm -hmm. and their resume is impressive, but also in talking to them, like the reason that they're doing that, a lot of times it can come from a place of insecurity, mm. right? And when that insecurity is driving them, and I feel also that goes back to systems in terms of a lot of systems strive when we feel insecure, because right. then we're driven to want to accomplish more, want to do more. And a quote I was um, telling you about uh, from RuPaul, where RuPaul says, we're all born naked, but the rest of our life we're in drag, that where we're also not allowing ourselves to be human. Absolutely. Yeah. And part of being human is like, 
not being perfect and learning that's okay to make mm -hmm. mistakes. And, mm -hmm. you know, like one of my favorite um, ways of kind of like explaining this is like, if you've ever seen a baby learn how to walk, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I usually ask people to describe what that looks like. And people will say like, oh, well, a baby will stand up and they'll wobble and like, they'll take two steps and they'll fall on the ground. Right. And so if we think about perfection, right, that's not a perfect way of walking, but we don't, kick the baby when he's down, right? We don't like tell the baby, oh, what a dumb baby you are for falling and for wobbling. What we do is we celebrate the fact that the baby got up and did this really new thing, even imperfectly, right? And so that's what it means to be human. And sometimes we forget that as we kind of grow up, um, we forget that like when we do something new, we're allowed to wobble, we're allowed to make mistakes, we're allowed to fall down, right? Mm -hmm. um, but things just sometimes feel super heavy and we don't give ourselves that space of like our humanity. And my hope is that we can go back to like, let's allow the wobble and let's celebrate the fact that we did get up and that we did wobble. Yeah, and yeah. to celebrate as progress. Absolutely. You know, because as you said, we're clapping and we're cheering for the baby, but we don't do that for ourselves. And you also touched on something that really resonated with me in terms of the perfectionism mm. and how internalized perfectionism is actually also something that we do to ourselves to fit in. The human experience is about being imperfect. That's mm -hmm. what it means to be human is to be messy and to not get things right. And, you know, to quote unquote fail because who de defines whether it's something is a failure or not, yeah. but it's when we start to internalize what the systems are telling us that we should be, we are also perpetuating and we're also complicit in our own oppression. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of perfectionism, at least the way that it shows up in like the imposter phenomenon is that like, it looks a lot like, if I make a mistake, they are going to kick me out. They're going to find out who I am. They are going to. So it's kind of like this kind of top down um, like phenomenon of being viewed and of being observed. Right. And the only way that you can kind of stay safe is to be perfect. Right. And that's not a very comforting way to live, but it's also not a very human way to live. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that like there are elements in our society that are unsafe for people of color. Right. It's sometimes it's unsafe to make mistakes in, in systems that are not built for us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's not just about telling ourselves, oh, it's OK to like celebrate yourself. Right. But it's also about confronting um, the system when it tells us we're not allowed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Right. It's also about kind of saying like hey you know I'm new at this right and so like if I made this mistake you know can you teach me how to do it better rather than kind of like I, you know kicking me out or, or saying that I'm not good enough for doing this very natural human mistake right mm -hmm. I think a lot of the conversation about around the imposter phenomenon is that like it needs to either only look at the individual or only look at the system right and I think it's I think like it's not I don't believe in binaries and having to do with anything and I don't think it's a binary thing either not right either yeah exactly like I think we need to look at both we need to look at how these systems kind of create an environment where we we all feel like imposters mm -hmm. right and we also need to look at like you said how we perpetuate our own oppression and the ways in which we make ourselves mm -hmm. small mm -hmm. and the ways in which we don't allow ourselves to be human right and even feeling like an imposter it makes complete sense mm -hmm. given the environments that you're operating in mm -hmm. right as opposed to it being something wrong with you and this is why it's it's also coming back and understanding that part of it yeah you know if you're looking to change yourself or you're looking to shrink yourself to fit into spaces that were not designed for you yeah and as well like what is, exactly is going on in the environment and I remember Jill you uh telling a story once about you also showing up 
as yourself yeah and um how that influenced students yeah. to also show up as themselves can you tell us a little bit about that yeah it's one of my favorite stories to tell so you can't see me on the podcast but um I like to say that my hair grows sideways and up rather than growing down um and it's one of my favorite attributes of mine is my hair it's a it's very curly very wild you never know what it's going to do um at any point in time and I really embrace that now I didn't always embrace that I come from a culture where our hair is um, intentionally always straightened. Um, and there's, um, there's a big kind of culture of like salon culture in, um, in my culture where like every weekend you would go, a lady would like essentially burn the curls out of your hair. Um, and that was, you know, a big part of the community. That's where, you know, women would meet, talk about, um, life, talk, you know, give each other support. Um, but there was also this element of kind of like white supremacy attached to it. Um, wherein like, yes, there was this really beautiful aspect of community, but it was also like, you know, let's kind of remove this aspect of you that's kind of like connected Mm -hmm. to non-white things. Kind of like sanitizing yourself. Exactly. Um, and, and so, taking that in I think that like I was I always learned that when you did something important or new what you had to do to show up in a professional or like a beautiful or a nice put together sense was to have your hair straightened Mm -hmm. um so I would do that in my clinical work I would always show up to job interviews I would always show up to to um to clinic when I did therapy I would always straighten my hair and never kind of allowed myself to go into kind of clinical situations um with curly hair that started changing um and then so I trained outside of New York City. I'm originally from here. When I moved back, I started doing job interviews and I told myself like, I really want to have a job where I can feel like myself, mm-hmm. um, where I can feel like I'm bringing my full self, where I can feel like I, um, you know, I'm me and I feel comfortable being me in that job. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show up to every job interview I have with my hair the way that it is. Um And that was a really scary thing for me because I had equated straight hair with professionalism. And I was afraid that like um, folks would not see me as professional. Anyways, things turned out really well. Actually, um, when I (laughs) when I interviewed here, just as an aside, as soon as I walked in, the front desk staff um, said, oh, girl, I love that hair. And it just made me (laughs) feel really good. I was like, oh, I really want to be here. Yeah. Um, But fast forward a couple of years later, um, I was. Um, at this job, I think I'd been here for maybe two years and I was doing some tabling up at the, um, at the main campus, the vertical Mm -hmm. campus. Um, and a student came up to me and said, I saw your picture at the web in the website. And I saw that there was a psychologist there who had hair very similar to mine. So even though we don't work together, like that's the reason why I decided to go to the counseling center. And it just felt really, it felt really amazing in that moment. That's, you know, someone, um, saw my picture, saw my saw me showing up, you know, my fullest self, at least with my hair and um, decided like, okay, this is a place where she feels comfortable, then I can feel comfortable there too. So I think there's, there's real power when it comes to showing up our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's real power in being who we are in different spaces, particularly our workspaces. And we lose that when we sanitize things mm-hmm. into something that looks very white, very male, very oppressive. And yeah, that's one of my favorite stories. And yeah, I love that story as well. I've heard the same thing from students uh, where they said, because I saw you as a person of color showing up, uh, you know, a certain way. Mm -hmm. That was why I was drawn to you as a career coach. Yeah. And, you know, I've had, had examples as well 
of students who identify as LGBTQ plus tell me that they met with a coach and they would tell them, you know, you need to remove any affiliation with LGBTQ plus in order to, you know, be taken seriously or in order to get a job in the corporate environment. And it always made me feel sad that people get this Mm. kind of advice because what you're essentially saying is that you're not good enough as you are. And it's, it's so important, I feel, especially for students to learn to trust themselves when somebody is giving them advice and to check in with themselves if if that advice feels right because how it also takes away from your humanity mm-hmm. when um somebody is just trying to fit you into a box or trying to sanitize you basically turn you into something that you're not right. and if you're going to get a job starting off from that point that you're going to have to continue to play that role right. and it's just very dehumanizing and again i would like to say that it just makes sense given the systems that you're operating in that this is happening and it it not to take it that something is wrong with you which is where the imposter feelings right. come in and you know i have to do something to make myself better or whatever it is is that you're inherently valuable the fact that you're a human and that if a container can't hold all of you that is because that container is too small for you right. that you can actually be in spaces where you get to be yourself or at least, you know, understand if you're in an environment that can't call all of you and that the problem is not um, with you. What would you say to somebody who is struggling with this, like with um, imposter feelings? And what would you say to them in terms of dealing with this? Yeah, I think the first thing I would do is I would start to think about and acknowledge that these feelings are real, right? Like, um, I think one thing that's really surprising or that's really interesting about the research is oftentimes um, people who are high achievers have imposter phenomenon, but people like that are around them don't know that they're having these feelings, right? And we often kind of keep these to ourselves. And I speak, I'm speaking for myself as well, right? Yeah. Because obviously I'm in a system um, that doesn't necessarily, it isn't necessarily made for me, right? So I've had these feelings as well. And so like um, acknowledge that like, you know, while while the premise isn't true right like while we do belong in these spaces right even if they're not made for us we we can create spaces we can make spaces um be more um welcoming or or you know make us feel find safety in these spaces um we can also acknowledge that these feelings are very real like what we're experiencing is very real and not discount them as like oh you're being silly right <laughs> these are coming from somewhere right like if a recruiter or a coach is telling you from even before you get a job like who you are is not good enough that's where these feelings are coming from right <laughs> and so exploring like these feelings are real but they don't come from something inherent about me they come from this messaging that i'm getting from this job from before I get the job, from society, from maybe my family, from from all of this stuff, right? And once we start to acknowledge these these feelings, but also start to acknowledge where they come from, we can start to soothe ourselves, right? And we can start to deconstruct. Mm-hmm. Um, and deconstructing can look like a million like a million things, right? So it can look like you know connecting with folks who are like you, um, who understand you, and who can kind of like give you a reality check right mm-hmm. like I you know I have have you I have co-workers here who could be like girl you know like you're mm-hmm. good you're amazing right um and having a community is incredibly important especially mm-hmm. if you are 
um, you know, one of a few, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think people know exactly what I mean when I say one of a few. Mm -hmm. um, having community, building community together, um, advocating for one another and advocating for yourself. And that requires community as well. Um, and also like helping, like reminding yourself that um, it's okay to be human. It's okay to make mistakes um, and giving yourself self time to acclimate to the fact that you can be human we spend so much time like RuPaul said in drag right mm -hmm. and so it's not like we can turn off the switch mm -hmm. and turn it back on right what we can do is we can allow ourselves a space to feel what we feel and then welcome ourselves into the space of like I'm a person I'm a human and I'm allowed to be here right sometimes that's not like a I have a magic wand and I'll, I'll like change mm -hmm. <laughs> but more sometimes that looks like kind of noticing where you are and then stepping back into your power stepping back into who you truly are yeah beautiful yeah. always such a pleasure talking to you and um having you in my life it's been a breath of fresh air because um the the thing that you mentioned about community it's such a huge aspect of living in in these systems and to be able to share these experiences where you know we see that we are not alone mm. and that in itself is healing and i want to say thank you so much uh Jell. thank you, you you've been listening to seek human spaces be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes and catch you next time and remember to be human